0: Hey there, welcome to In at the End.
1: This was the best episode ever.
0: This might be the best episode of all the everything.
1: All the TV.
0: All the TV. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> you know how good it is, and then every time going back, it seems to get better. <sighs> kind of unbelievable.
1: It's really crazy. In shock. I, yeah. I remember this episode. This is obviously a standout episode. Oh, we're talking about college.
0: We're talking about college. Um, Fifth episode, first season of The Sopranos.
1: Yeah, and this is obviously a standout, and lots of people talk about this episode as like potentially one of the best episodes of TV. Um, it's obvious, like, many of the... Well, one of the actors won an Emmy for her performance in this um in this episode.
0: There's one for writing, too.
1: And there was no yeah. one for writing. So, like, clearly this is an excellent work of television, if not film in general. Mm-hmm. But I was just, like, blown away by it this time. And I think there's something about this show, and I, we've talked about this a lot, how much, like, if I had to pick an art form that I think speaks to me the most, it's I often say it's short stories. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is, like, the perfect short story. There's these very, how do I put it? Um, the writing of these characters and the amount that they give you and the amount that they don't give you in the story, but you're able yeah. to kind of fill in the blanks. It's just perfect. I don't know. I don't have any other words yeah. for the way it. the writing perfect.
0: works too the way that they can imply so much with so little dialogue. Yeah, people can use these kind of like short They can just throw out very small things that are actually representative of so many things in their life and who they are. It's Mm -hmm. it's incredible. Um,
1: So we feel like we have a lot to unpack for this episode. I
0: believe. Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, I mean, just as a short story, I think it's it's fascinating to see just how the form of the first season is unfolding for the Mm. Sopranos. So you have episode one to four, which is almost kind of like a self-contained unit. And the drama that unfolds in those first four episodes...
1: Is not really related to today.
0: Is not related really at all, other than setting up the characters. But also, if you think about what happens in the first four episodes, this kind of power struggle between Junior and Tony, the introduction of all these characters, even that in its scope is pretty ambitious in terms of what it's putting out there as a story. And I think it's so successful in... Kind of wrapping it up in a way so that the show is ready to move on to something like this and when i was watching this episode i was thinking you could watch this episode without seeing those first four episodes mm-hmm. too you wouldn't have the same background on characters you know it wouldn't be as flushed out you wouldn't have the same relationship with tony and carmela and the others that you do but it would still work it would still it's still this kind of isolated story that is so strong that it could work on its own
1: yeah, I like how it's also kind of punctuated. We have these multiple storylines that are only kind of marginally connected together by phone calls and by, of course, you know, parallels that could be drawn between the plots in each of these um, kind of sub stories, if you'll call it that. But we have these phone calls. Some of the phone calls are successful, right? Like we have a quick phone call to Irina who's going crazy about her cousin. Her cousin. Yeah. Right? Um, we have a quick phone call to Carmela that also gets cut short. Um, He said, I'll call you back. I'll call you back from the hotel room, motel room later. Yeah,
0: when he sees Febby.
1: Um, We have these phone calls. I love the phone calls between Tony and Christopher, right? That's our only Mm -hmm. really connection back to the world of the New Jersey mob, right? Tony says to him, like, you call Polly, but we don't see that happen, right? So we just see Christopher in the rain and the lightning. Um, we have Carmela's call to Tony where she just hangs up on him. She's just like calling to see if he's back at the hotel room. He clearly didn't call her back. Um, I think that
0: there are these kind of two, AJ
1: AJ calls Carmela when she and doc, uh, doc I keep calling him Dr. Phil. He, (laughs) it's just, it just comes out that way. He and (laughs) when she and father Phil are sitting there watching the movie, we have that phone call that we only hear Carmela's end of. Right. Yeah. Uh, So I I like those connections that Mm -hmm. are there. I just stood out to me It's
0: interesting because you kind of have these two isolated stories that are obviously connected through the characters and their relationships, but they do kind of get brought together at a few key points, typically Mm -hmm. through these phone calls, Mm -hmm. or at the very end when Tony and Meadow actually come home, and these two worlds kind of come crashing together. And I think that's kind of at the center of this show is the colliding of... Two worlds, You know, the mob world and Tony's family world, his two families. And I think that this episode is just kind of a masterpiece because it takes that idea and it takes all the themes and the ideas we've been talking about in the previous episodes and it's just such an efficient, succinct, amazing, tight script that just deals with all these things and pushes them so much further and deeper than they already have that I think it just really refines all the material they were already thinking about and working with.
1: Well, definitely what they do going forward. There's a lot that is
0: yeah, kind of a has its genesis
1: here. here. I realized I have one phone call that I forgot from Dr. Melfi.
0: Right. A key moment.
1: It is a key moment. Um, there's also the unifying factor of these characters that a lot of them have the flu right. or are vomiting because they drank too much. Right. I don't know what that means. Right. But there's a lot of the flu going around.
0: Right. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 There's a lot there's a lot to unpack in terms of specifics. I think there's a lot what's of ways that we could tackle to this episode. This. Well, maybe let's look at one of the kind of general themes that we have. Okay. So, what's something that struck you that was of particular interest?
1: Uh, I wanted to talk about the f- the filming in okay. this episode. Yeah. I think that's important to start with and that it calls it calls into, you know, conversation some of those key moments that I think we'll want to talk about because it does. it's so powerful. I was
0: so impressed by Alan Coulter. <gasps> yeah. Who comes back and directs more Sopranos. What else does he direct? He's you... done a lot. Sex okay. in the City. He actually No, but but in terms of Sopranos oh. episodes. No. <laughs> oh, I was just, you know, just trying to throw out some Sex in the City. Oh.
1: I like Sex in the City. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he's I mean he's one of these like he's like Tim Van Patten who we'll okay. see later. He's like a okay. TV superstar director. That. He's done a million things. He actually directed the Uh, Pilot, I believe, for Nurse Jackie with Edie Falco, which would kind of set up the visual style, right? Wow. So anyway, but he there's some decisions here in terms of filmmaking that I think are just add so much to the feel of this episode that are kind of novel for the show at Mm. this point. I think there was just there was a lot of bold decisions in this episode in particular that not only push this series forward but kind of push television forward. Mm. I don't think these things were being done, for instance, like. I mean, even stepping back, what I was saying about the form, having this kind of short story, playing with just the structure of how this story is going to unfold is so bold. And something that I think this show really kind of um, was just very kind of new and experimental and, and broke new ground on it. You know, I feel like this show, for instance, later on, a lot of the time, a lot of the drama will unfold in the penultimate episode which has almost kind of become the standard that's in TV. That's totally, yeah. And I think this episode, yeah, it's it's also this episode has um, our main character, Tony, killing somebody, which is clearly a bold move, but it's a particularly bold move when you think about when this show came out because shows didn't really do that. Mm. And if you think about the television landscape from after Sopranos, that's been explored a lot. That's actually kind of been the defining characteristic of the last decade and a half of television. Totally. I think it was shows like Breaking Bad or
1: mm-hmm.
0: even, I think, the, the writer on the show went on to work on Dexter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, that's a maybe like a, a show with less fleshed-out characters, but
1: just, I think... Sh- just shittier characters. Just
0: shittier characters and writing and everything. Yeah. But in general, I think they took some liberties and they... Were experimental and they tried new things and i think it actually really revolutionized the medium, and i think it's it's pretty amazing
1: yeah you i mean you've come you've mentioned in our past conversations about the like you're always noticing when they show different sides of tony's face yeah and they i think they do that here a number of I times like but particularly in that opening scene of course they like huge. go all the way around him but then there's other times like in the car
0: yeah
1: um we see him like when you're sitting in a car with someone you only see one side of their face right like they're even though they're kind of turning to talk to each other like you really are only seeing one side of someone versus when he's in the phone booth we see the other side of his Mm. face i don't know if you picked up on that right um i thought that was kind of interesting i think (laughs) it all tied and he uses the same phone booth so that's kind of easy for us to to get but
0: well of course this is all tied in uh, with the quote that we see at the end, that's given a particularly long yeah. amount of time in the episode where Tony's focusing on the Hawthorne quote of, no man can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which, as to which may be true.
1: Mm.
0: So that's clearly a central part of this episode. Well, I
1: mean, uh, and of this series. Of this really, series. Yeah.
0: But that's definitely pretty thoroughly developed in, in this episode. And yeah, the fact that the first shot is this kind of spiraling camera work around Tony... Mm-hmm. around his face. And I think one of the main questions of this show is who is Tony? And Well, who
1: are all the characters? Who are all the characters? Because we see There's, the same thing with Phil, Father Phil, and Carmela. We have this we see opening shot of Carmella, too. But then we also see them like when they're talking to each other on the couch. At one point they're sitting face to face and then they turn back to back and we see the mm-hmm. other side of both of them in that mm-hmm. scene as well, right? So it is this kind of like flipping Yeah. Motion of characters and you know, that reflects obviously the Tony and Meadow stuff as well.
0: Yeah. And I think that quote, you know, does kind of introduce an interesting question of who does Tony realize who he is?
1: Yeah, or does he understand that quote? He looks he looks perplexed when he reads. He looks perplexed.
0: It's clearly hitting him on a personal level. Yeah. It's clearly relevant to him. Yeah. He recognizes the relevance. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
0: which one is true for him? And I think the reality is that they kind of all are. It's this kind of complicated world.
1: Yeah, and he's even more complicated than two sides. Way
0: more complicated. You know. Well,
1: they, everyone is. I Everybody mean, that, that's is. what I love about this show is the characters, like I said this before, like we can't even really say like black and white or good and bad sides of them. It's just like a fucking mix of all of them uh, that you can't really tease apart or, or make that simplistic, right? That quote's very simplistic in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I think uh, we were talking about the the directing and the some of these um, camera decisions. There's yeah. a, there's some other really really interesting ones too. There's a, a lot of uh, use of handheld yeah, camera. Yeah,
1: I noticed that too.
0: Um, particularly with Febby. Yeah, so, they have
1: his binoculars. Like yeah. you're looking through his binoculars at one point. And it
0: just had such a great feel to it. Yeah. It's This kind of like dire, dramatic. This kind of like rugged. This feeling of urgency of necessity um yeah just really really kind of and then they would contrast it with these like sweeping camera movements around the soprano family Mm. it was just yeah except
1: like i found like the other camera thing that i jotted down was when father phil is sick and he's going to the bathroom they follow him with this like spinny like like tilty drunk camera. Yeah. And so that was like, and like, that was kind of like the binoculars in some ways. Like they yeah. were kind of like, jo- like you were being jostled around yeah. by it. It was off putting.
0: Totally. Yeah. Uh, we definitely have at the end, some very dramatic shots.
1: <laughs> yeah, that empty after hallway the and yeah. Well, well actually oh, there's yeah, multiple. So back, the empty yeah.
0: hallway, that was something that I thought was really interesting. In this episode, I feel like there's a lot of shots of our main characters
1: With other characters.
0: The opposite. Oh. There's a lot of examples of characters on their own, Hmm. in a shot, typically in a building. And almost all of them are tied together by columns, Mm. which I found was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a shot of... Carmella, I think it's when she's sitting at the kitchen island. Yeah. And then another shot it zooms out. There's kind of this, like, yep. exaggerated shot. And then it's from further away, just her in the house. We have Tony when he drops off Meadow. She's there with the columns
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. in front
0: of the university. The last scene of the episode is Tony, after he gets into his fight with Carmella, kind of going off, to, you know, yelling behind her. Yeah. Oh, I was just thinking this. Again, with these Therapy's columns. Therapy is
1: just about talking. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But I feel like these characters are all alone. There there's a lone sense of loneliness from yeah. those shots.
1: Well, I think the, the shot you were gonna talk about that I cut you well, off from talking about yeah. was with when after he kills Febby, uh there's this really striking series of nature shots. You see him framed by these like tree pillars almost and we're looking if you from want to nature.
0: call it. The, the yeah, are really like from bu- set a bush. Up yeah. From the bush or the yeah. And I have to say, in the last episodes I've talked a lot about the greenery yeah. and that, I'm really, so, it really comes from this so episode yeah. is where I re- that really started to strike me. And I started yeah. to look for that. Yeah. If I was looking from before, I probably wouldn't have noticed it as much. Yeah. But this episode makes it such a clear symbol for me yeah. that I started noticing more the use of greenery. And I, th- yeah. I think it's very deliberate.
1: I think so, too. I noticed it a lot of times also now that you've been talking about it. And the other thing that happens in this episode that I think we've brought up in past episodes already are shots looking up when he looks up well, at those ducks slash geese.
0: Yeah. And I, then down.
1: And then down. Because yeah.
0: after the murder, that was such a great shot. So we see we see the deer, which is why yeah. he ends up coming out and ends yeah. up being killed before actually he walks out of a trailer yeah. with ducks yeah. in front of it. I
1: know, those wooden ducks. They're almost
0: like totems or something at this point for these my, characters. My poppy used
1: to make those. We used to have a yeah. bunch of those ducks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so he comes out and he, he does murder him and then he's kind of contemplating it like looking out into nature which we've been kind of tying to eternity and the afterlife um and nature and when he does look at the ducks it's interesting the choice of sound that they make they're mm. they're kind of flying south and they have this kind of like i mean they're making like a i don't know a school of ducks. well
1: it triggers him to look up it's, it triggers him to look yeah. up and
0: we have this shot looking clearly upwards and the sound effect is almost like they're kind of laughing at him mm-hmm. that's what i got hmm. it's kind of demeaning like I mean, I guess a low camera angle looking up is typically kind of demeaning for a character. It it makes them kind of less imposing. And when we... Yeah. So to see something from a low angle is obviously that is of a higher stature. Mm -hmm. And I think we've been talking about that too, of this kind of power dynamic. Tony is out of control. There is something above him. And he's kind of trying to contemplate his place in nature. Yeah. And he looks up at the ducks and they're kind of laughing at him, I think. Yeah. He murders this person and he's trying to kind of make sense of things and he looks up, sees the ducks, which are clearly so central to his psyche and they just fly away. And then we look down on him in this very kind of, I mean, we've talked about emasculation. I don't know if that's the best word, but it. no, we, we're so, like above he his weak. head. Yeah, we above we're above him. Yeah. Nature is a, is above him. The yeah. ducks are above him.
1: Yeah. No, that's interesting. We see a few other, like, I don't know if you want to call it nature or what, um, there's definitely a number of times where it's behind different characters, like through the windows and stuff definitely. like that. And I want to talk about the storm and lightning yeah. separately, if you don't mind. But the other thing that I noticed this episode was um, kind of like how the deer um, is what brings Febby over mm-hmm. to where um, Tony then kills him. Uh, when he goes to his house earlier in the episode at night when he's in the hot tub, yeah. um, it's a dog that like, starts to yeah. bark, which alerts him to this yeah. whole... S- he wasn't aware of Tony before that, right? That's yeah. when he first realized, like, someone might be yeah. watching me.
0: Yeah. So
1: it is this kind of, like, na- how nature can kind of impact us. and.
0: I love yeah. that scene, too, where he goes there and just the efficiency of the writing, too. Like, he's in the hot tub with this, like, beautiful young woman... Person and then they, you're, well, you're kind of oh so
1: um the mother of his children. Well, this is what I'm yeah. getting toward.
0: The first impression yes. is different than how he's with
1: a naked woman in a hot tub.
0: He's with a naked woman in a hot tub, but this child walks out and yeah. says like mummy, daddy you know yeah. like I'm, I'm looking for you and it immediately changes the context of the scene yeah and the reason why i think it's interesting is because we're looking at these people as gangsters is he a gangster right well that's more related to gangster activity yeah but all the, the writers had to do is have a kid come out and
1: call yeah. him daddy
0: and okay well now we know he has a family if he is in witness protection that also implies that he's probably changed in a lot of ways Well,
1: or, or so you'd think
0: or so you'd think and that continues to unfold through these kind of seemingly throwaway lines yeah. like when he's in the trailer and he's talking to the people about murdering yeah, Tony you're not
1: gonna get another bag from me
0: exactly you're not gonna get it's and it's, so good I don't even know if I noticed that in previous viewings yeah. but to think that he hasn't gone straight he's yeah. still dealing he's
1: dealing in, he's yeah. in
0: Maine and he's still dealing in this kind of underground world that he hasn't changed yeah, it's, I it's know. pretty fascinating. I know.
1: Well, and I like that kind of in contrast. So like someone who's like, quote unquote, like gotten out, right? Like, yeah, yeah he ratted and he's in witness protection. But this is the first time we also hear Tony refer to him, like be like, oh, if I wasn't, however he says it, he talks about potentially being, oh yeah, to rebel in my family would have meant to be a patio furniture salesman. Yeah. Right. And that's the first, and we, that comes up again and again. So it's interesting to think about for these guys well for everybody like if they weren't in this life who would they be or what would they be and is that really possible right like is it possible for feby to rat on all his pals and then go and live this life in maine yeah as a travel agent <laughs> um would it be possible for tony to have ever been a patio furniture salesman. Huh. And that's something I think we'll come back to. I don't yeah. want to spend too much time on it in Definitely. this episode, but it is the first time that we kind of get glimpses into that. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think they talk about it too when Tony's talking to Meadow at the very beginning. She's t- He's talking about, she asks him, you know, why did you, you go to college?
1: Mm-hmm. That's when they bring it up, yeah. Yeah,
0: and he says, well, you know, I come from a working class family, and she says, well, were they anti-education and you know they have this conversation and then eventually when they're talking about the mob he says you know you have to understand my dad was in it my uncle was in it there was a time where italians didn't have a lot of options and the logic behind that i guess is sound in its own way you can see why somebody would be drawn to something but it does beg the question could he have been something different Mm -hmm. could he have and in terms of we've seen now that he wears all these different faces could tony's life have ended up Somewhere else, And I think that's a question that the show keeps on asking.
1: Totally. Totally.
0: And I think it's constantly dealing with the the kind of psychological level of yeah, how is, he's kind of dealing with that himself. So how yeah. he reflects on the decisions he's made and how he reflects on if something else was possible.
1: Yeah, well, and Carmela's doing the same thing. Carmela is reflecting in this episode on the decisions that she's made. Um, in one way or another, it's also kind of timely because, you know, Tony's reflecting on this while he's with Meta, who's ostensibly like moving on to this new phase of her life, and I think the bird, the ducks are related to that also. And totally, some, like, I that think there's something control. about him
0: losing his family.
1: But, um, but we see her you know, like will Meadow ever be able to separate herself from the Soprano family or is she kind of doomed to follow the same thing as Mm. Tony? Right. And we, again, we'll talk about that (laughs) as the season goes on.
0: And there's a fascinating line in here actually, where she talks about, she's like, Oh, you know, like you know, she knows what her dad does. She's like, well, Hunter Scangarello's dad is you know a lobbyist yeah. for tobacco, and she's like, oh, you know, the lawyers. And she talks about lawyers in this right. way, which is fascinating considering where she ends up yeah. at the end of the show. Yeah, and I think that's kind of one of those interesting kind of bookends. Yeah, to the show that you know, totally. there's so much like symmetry and organization oh my gosh. and structure in this show that they're clearly aware of that and that an opinion of Young Meadow is going to be hypocritical. Sure. Later on. Sure. Based on where she's at. I think there's like a magnetic pull from the Soprano family to this mafia lifestyle.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing about this show. Like, it's just so beautifully planned out. I just love it. I wanted to go back to animals. One more thing I forgot to mention. And it's just kind of a throwaway. But because of last week, we dealt with a lot of the sea and sea creatures. Yeah. The commercial when Meadow first turns on the radio in the car is lobsters. about Maine lobsters. Which
0: I also love just in terms of the efficiency of the writing. Yeah, it was fact, so good. That we know they're in Maine. killing me. Yeah. You're like two minutes in. They've already had this conversation about Tony in school, his relationship to the generation above him. Yeah. His excitement for Meadow to be you know, educated. And, yeah. And there's so much, I mean, there's so much that goes on with that. And then they're in a car within two minutes. Now we know they're in Maine through, you know, the sound effects of the radio ad. Mm-hmm. And then she just asks point blank, dad, are you in the mafia?
1: Yeah. And they I really love... don't
0: waste any time. No.
1: Um, I want to come back to that conversation too. Cause I think we're going to talk a lot about, well, at least I want to talk a lot about kind of confessions and things yeah. like that. So let's hold on that one. But the one thing I did want to come to on this, and then I also wanted to talk about the storm was just how Tony mentions his love of history. And again, this is something yeah. I want to revisit That's these these point. things. I just want to like make this as a note for us to revisit yeah. this. Um, he says, oh, I used to really like history, you know, like Napoleon.
0: Potsdam. Who numbers. we see. Yeah. Well, yeah,
1: we see Napoleon right. come back, right, yeah. in some paintings. Yeah. Um, the Roman Empire, of course, we've already seen references to the Roman Empire, right? We have yeah. that um, in the episode with the Hasidic Jewish... Um, Father and son in law. Yeah. And they say, Where are the Romans now? You're looking yeah. at them, right? But when that comes back and we see imagery related to that. And then, yeah, the Potsdam conference. Yeah. So, anyway, so I thought those were good but things. But I think to that really plays to.
0: into the question of could Tony have been somebody else? Yeah. And in a lot of ways, he probably he could have been, I think.
1: Yeah. He has skills.
0: He has skills. He has interests. He's intelligent. Yeah. I mean, why not? Like, why couldn't mm. he have escaped this life? It could have been possible. I mean, it, there is this kind of magnetic pull, but he does have, you know, the interest and the aptitude and the ability to do other things.
1: Yeah. was the last thing I wanted to talk about in just in this kind of, we've, I mean, we've still gone all over the place, but just in terms of the filming and the structure of the story, I loved the contrast between the people at home in New Jersey and Tony and Meadow away in terms of this storm that was going on. Yeah. And I thought that there were so many great scenes and sounds that were so related to this. So we have, like, on many occasions with Christopher, uh, behind Father Phil, behind Carmela, we have these flashes of lightning that kind of, like, illuminate them at different yeah. times. I just thought it was, like, very powerful, but also very kind of, like... A, like a murder mystery kind right. of like there was this kind of like overdone effect of it too right. it was this like very crazy storm when father <laughs> phil is standing in the um outside the door and the lightning's behind him we just see his like yeah. silhouette reflected it's, yeah. it was all very like detective filmy totally. i i really liked it
0: i feel like he, and then, when he shows up i never know what he looks like i feel like he looks like some sort of like pizza delivery man or something. he does <laughs> yeah, he's wearing that red
1: like k-way jacket yes. or whatever um but then yeah, so we see this lightning, there's this storm going on, and we see Tony like kind of in this idyllic kind of natural environment, right? Yeah. Like even when he's in the phone booth outside of the motel, yeah. we see a lot of greenery behind him. It's sunny, he's lit so differently than those characters. But then the storm stops, and so it's, like, so notable in that scene that you were talking about the next morning when Carmela's sitting Mm -hmm. at her bench. There's no... It's silent. It's completely Mm -hmm. silent, and the whole time prior to that, we've had this, like, rain and thunder and light... Well, lightning doesn't make a sound, but... (laughs) But, you know, the stormy sounds going on. And so I just thought in terms of if we were going to, like, map out a plot structure, Mm. that's one of those... I don't know how you would... Like, I'm not knowledgeable enough about it, but that... Um, like, at, it's, you know, you'd think it would be kind of like after this climax that then things are quiet and we have this, like, resolution, although things do come to, like, you know, ahead in different ways yeah. after that storm is over.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that's actually, like, then when the murder takes place and things yeah. like that and when Tony comes home. But I just thought I just thought the whole structure of the story was just genius. I'd love to actually, like, draw out a plot map of it yeah. just to see that kind of, like... Yeah. Um, yeah, like curvature of it, if that's mm-hmm. the right thing, or you know, no, when totally. when you used to draw those like plot um, diagrams yeah. in school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've talked a lot about the storyline in Maine. Yeah. Maybe we should start visiting some of the things that are happening in New Jersey between Carmilla and Father Phil.
1: Yeah, I think it's related. Like, let's start there, but I think that will tie into some of the confession stuff in yeah, the other storyline as well. Yeah, Um, So I grew up Catholic, so a lot of this, some I had to explain to Alex in our viewing today <laughs> that um, if you're a priest in the Catholic religion, you're celibate.
0: Well, that was my question, yeah. Yes, he Yeah, a I just question. needed to make sure. He had I to, cl- thought, he had I to clarify. So, but I had to clarify. Um,
1: and there's a lot in this show that, that deals with religion. And we've already had access to churches and things mm-hmm. like that. But this is our first. We, this is the first time we meet Father Phil, right?
0: Well, no. We meet him in oh, the Oh, that's pilot right. Episode but it's not the same actor. actor. That's right. That's right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but he's back.
1: But he's back. Um, <laughs> and he's just like, in some ways, he's, I don't know, like, it. I can't really imagine having this like priest coming over to anybody's house and being so friendly. So in some ways, I'm like, what kind of priest is this guy really? <laughs> um, but I think the like the show is really framed within this kind of Catholic guilt and Roman Catholic, if you want to call it that, kind of history. We see him. Um, well, my well, one of my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the scene, right? They go, they have this whole night, right? He arrives wearing this, like we said, this like pizza delivery guy outfit, and Carmel is taking off his jacket yeah. for him. His collar is still intact, right? Priests right. wear these collars that are mm-hmm. have that white piece in front, um, and then by the end of the night his collar. Well, even when Carmela's giving her confession, right? Already his collar is askew. His like one mm-hmm. of the ends of it is out. We see Carmela kind of fixing the draping that he was wearing yep. over him cuz that was also a little bit messed up. Um, he he chugs all that holy wine. Yep. Um, which probably wouldn't sit well cuz that stuff's not as good as the chianti that he was drinking earlier <laughs> in the night. Um and he mentions things. He mentions things like how, he, like, Tony's afraid of fire. And so that's good. You know, it'll keep him out of hell or whatever. Yeah. He brings her a book. I, I didn't catch, like, what book it is that he brings mm. her. But he, in it, it right. seemed, there seems to be both Buddhism and Islam. Right. And he starts to kind of talk about it. But then he's like, but this Chianti, though.
0: Yeah. S- right.
1: Um, and so he's such a, like, I, I find, like... Having seen him, I, maybe in Nurse Jackie, I don't know. Whenever I see him, I'm like, oh, this guy. like yeah. He annoys me, And so, but it's not the acting that annoys me. That guy actually, I think, does... He's just like an annoying character. So
0: this is the first time where I've actually had a very strong opinion on what the intention mm-hmm. of that entire dynamic is and, what, and who Father Phil is. And I really think that he just kind of represents hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. I think he's this extremely weak character who's supposed to be this spiritual center for people and offers nothing in that domain. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. I think part of the reason why I brought up that he comes like dressed up like a pizza delivery man, throughout the entire episode, he's gradually like losing layers of, mm. of clothing. They're kind mm. of peeling away. Mm. And, and what
1: we're left with is... He's,
0: he's wearing this white T-shirt. It's almost stained. Yeah. And that's kind of how he leaves. So I feel like there's like this kind of facade of spiritual mm,
1: like a knowledge. Guide, he's uh, a guide. Yeah.
0: He's in touch with the spiritual domain. He's maybe what Tony needs. He's what Carmella needs. But throughout the course of the episode when I started analyzing what he's putting out there and what Carmella is putting out there, Carmella was putting out some very deep reflections and she was really reflecting and offering judgment on her choices and her life in a very... Uh, reflective kind of
1: yeah, she says honest way. I've forsaken what is right for what is easy. I have allowed evil into the house,
0: yeah.
1: um, around her children, or like for her children, for having a nice house, for having a nice money, for having money. But she's very ashamed of this, and yeah. that's how she puts it, which was like very deep. She hasn't <laughs> confessed. I love when she's when he. Sorry, I cut you off, but no. I love when she was like, it's been. Four weeks since my last confession. And then she's like, no, that's a lie. Like, and she's then she's like, I honest. haven't been to confession in 20 years. And she was. She was really putting her whole self out there in a lot of ways. And all he really had to offer was, well, you must repent. You must love. renounce all these accents. Like, it's all love. Yeah, exactly. He talks he,
0: about, so where that ends up is he starts talking about change through love. Mm-hmm. And I think that his responses and his answers are so hollow in terms of these ideas of principles.
1: Yeah, well, it doesn't tell her how to do these things, right? Like, they're all these kind of, like, loosey-goosey things yeah. that we, like, I, I, yeah. just spout out.
0: Actually, the change through love comes when he, when Carmela brings up these rather insightful, deep questions. She says, well, where's the justice in The Sun Rises mm. on the Unjust and the Just mm. Alike? Mm. And he says it's about love. And what does that mean? No, I feel like there's, nothing. like, a meaningless to everything that he puts out. And the way that... I feel like he interacts with Carmela is really interesting too. I actually loved the actor's um, portrayal of the character this mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. It is annoying. I don't I don't like him as a character. But no, I know. It's, it's actually very sophisticated. Totally. I feel like he is this kind of hypocritical character who believes that he is offering spiritual guidance, but there's nothing there. It's popcorn. Yeah. And I think it, it is a comment on... Perhaps this this institution, but even the way that he interacts with Carmela, she's looking for spiritual answers and for somebody to help her with these very deep questions mm-hmm. of principle and justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even the way he's he's touching her when yeah. when she about it his fingers are kind of like going down her back when she's very uncomfortable just before the confession. Yeah. Um. It's. I mean, also. <laughs> Everything's kind of backwards. Everything that he indulges in in the episode is the opposite of what he should be standing for. Yeah. The values of the Roman Catholic faith. He's trying to engage in a relationship with Carmela. Yeah. The fact that he doesn't really has nothing to do with his principles. Or no. his integrity. No. Nothing at all. It's just him
1: being sick, like so the rest of these characters. Yeah.
0: So he kind of goes against that, which is supposed to be the central tenet of, of who he is, Um. It's it's very interesting and actually even like I feel like some of the the main sins he, the gluttony mm-hmm. are actually he's kind of engaging in totally in, in quite a few of them. I love the way the camera work works on this too. I feel like obviously in the confession scene there's a lot of sexual tension throughout the episode but some of the decisions they make for instance, while the confession is happening, we can actually see the bottle of wine between them and the two mm. drunk glasses mm-hmm. of wine next mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And then when we actually go to the communion, the choice to have these incredibly close up oh, shots so sensual. ...on Carmilla's yeah. mouth. So, yeah, so sensual, so sexual. It actually brings such a strange meaning to this religious mm.
1: eating, yeah, eating someone's body, eating someone's and body. blood.
0: But yeah, the fact it's. They sexualize it, totally. which is the same kind of hypocrisy that I think exists in the way that that institution is dealt with in this episode.
1: Well, and it was interesting, even like Carmela's, um, when she starts talking about Casablanca and he's really like, when she mm. starts talking about that, he's like kind of excited. He's like, Oh, right. we're okay. Like he's like, and he, he gets this look on his face. He's actually, he's an incredible actor. He gets this look on his face. She's like, you know, when bogey, <laughs> I like it, she calls him by a short name, Yeah. um, says like of all the gin joints in all the world why would you have to come into mine then yeah. she's like of all the fanuk priests in all the world why did i have to get the one that's straight so she even kind of like deal i mean these are like unspoken issues right like but she kind of calls in this like sexuality of she does the priesthood and some There's- of the issues with the catholic church that have been focused on a there's lot.
0: An, there's an honesty in that scene. And that's a really interesting scene that you brought up in particular. Because on those exact moments, the camera goes super close up again. Yeah. And that's one of the last scenes. And I feel like there actually is um, there is ingenuity and there is honesty in that scene. And that they're actually having a real relationship there. They're actually mm-hmm. kind of talking about what happened in some ways. Mm-hmm. And I think we are left with that kind of human Relationship that we have, but it ends up very sad because mm-hmm. Carmel is left alone. He leaves. We're left to kind of cope with the hypocrisy of everything that happened.
1: Just kind of on our own. Yeah. And they
0: they don't have each other, and they clearly do need somebody. They need something. Both of them are lacking something in their life and somebody. looking for yeah. it, and it's it's not there. Yeah. I wanted to talk about during the communion where they were going in. Yeah, some of the decisions because it's it's almost it's pretty extreme how sexualized those shots mm-hmm. are um and i was thinking about that when they're showing the close-up of the communion wafer and the wine but it actually gets like out of control bef- by the end when you know you have Carmela kind of like leaning down and he's standing up mm-hmm. which is this kind of power dynamic but also mm-hmm. very sexual mm-hmm. and then there's a point where he like kind of puts his hand on her head yeah, you, like, it's just like over the top yeah it's like it just keeps on it's like this crescendo yeah, to the point, It's actually so overt by the end that this is this kind of se- weird sexual relationship mm-hmm. that's kind of unfolding throughout the course of the whole episode.
1: Yeah, I it mean, actually becomes
0: like almost comical. That it's so overdone. I know.
1: Well, especially when the part where she then crawls over him, they they fall asleep somehow, right? Yeah. So we, there's parts we miss of their yeah, interaction, which I which I liked. We don't miss. I don't feel like we miss as much in the other storyline. We we miss some parts here, so they're somehow like asleep in each other's arms sitting in front of the couch. And the phone rings, right, when AJ calls. AJ also, I'll I'll bring I'll come back to that aspect of time, but AJ had said he was gonna be back in an hour, and then this right. is clearly a lot later. Right. But, um, <laughs> oh, AJ. But she like crawls over him to get the phone and then kind of like snuggles back up to him, you know? Yeah. And that's when the whole kind of like almost kiss scene yeah. then happens. Yeah um but you know it's very in i mean like any like a relationship like that where you confess something to someone which might be to a priest it might be to your therapist um we see it in this episode also between tony and meadow which is a non non-sexual relationship um where we have that level of intimacy mm-hmm. although there are some weird like there's some scenes that are weird like when he puts her in bed when he's like Bringing her out of the car, we'll go to the maybe we'll go to that after. But he's bringing her out of the car when she's wasted. Like it would be hard for um for what's his face, um Peter, <laughs> what's his what's his real name? Oh, uh, Febby Febby, it would be right. <laughs> that's
0: a short form. It
1: would be hard for Febby to tell if that was his like girlfriend. Like he doesn't know that hmm. that's his daughter at first. He realizes it after. But he, there's this scene where he's kind of like dragging her into the hotel room. He like kind of weirdly tucks her into bed and kisses her on the forehead, which again is kind of reflective of that power dynamic where we have Father Phil patting mm. Carmela on the head. Mm. But then we also have this same kind of like confession stuff going on when when Tony and Meadow yeah. are in the car together, right? Yeah. So she says it like like you, you now will kind of come back around in circle, but she says, "Are you in the mafia?" And I love then she follows up with, "You know, organized crime," which yeah. I think is really funny. Um and you know Tony kind of shrugs this off at first, but then, you know, tells her a half ish not even a half, like a little bit of a truth, right, about yeah. gambling. And then he uses this therapist speak with her. He says, how does that make you feel? Right. Which I thought was really quite yeah. funny. Um, I love then when they talk about honesty there, right? Well, they talk about honesty, you know, in, in that scene and then in the, in the last scene. Like, but in the first scene, she says so many dads are full of shit. And he says, and I'm not. And she says, well, you told the truth about this. Yeah. I thought that was a great exchange. Yeah. And she tries to tell him some truths about herself, too. And she tells him about she the speed. She does. But then she gets shut down because telling him you people are mad at you or people are. Well, you actually, know. in
0: that scene, yeah. I disagree. Mm-hmm. I actually think that brings them closer. He's immediately very upset and say, you know, like, what do you think was going to happen? But he, he does appreciate that she said it. And I actually think that shows a lot of integrity on her mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. And it does kind of bring them together, and they are actually communicating, and it's actually one of the rare examples of honesty between members of that family in the entire show. Totally. But I think by the end of the episode, it's a very bleak, it's a very bleak world in Soprano yeah. World, and I think it actually ends up coming to a place where the honesty does dry out. Yeah, well, she says, car again. you're being honest it's with ended. me, right? You're being honest with me, right? She says, okay. We have that
1: kind of relationship, you said.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think there's like one of those scenes where you know we're supposed to see an actor change in a moment, mm-hmm. see it on their face, and and Meadow has that. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to see, she realizes that he's not being honest with her. Of course, with his bleeding hand and his yeah. and his you dirty know dirty shoes. shoes, and the way that Tony navigates those moments is so fascinating too, because he's so adept at it. Yeah. He has such he's so quick with his answers. Oh my
1: gosh, on the in the first in the opening scene with the yeah. two of them, well, the first time they're in the car together. Um, his smile while well, he's like when they're oh when they're, it's when they're doing the car chase. Sorry, yeah. it's not in that first well, scene when they're in the this car. Brings
0: up something when, very interesting. When when they're on their
1: car chase and she's like, "What is going on?" Yeah. She's in a panic, and he's just like, oh, "I'm just fooling yeah. around." And the smile on yeah. his face is so spooky.
0: Yeah, but yeah. that for me that's fascinating. That was actually a really big thing that this uh, episode introduced, and that's that when we have Meadow asking about are you in the mafia? And we go to kind of the like psychology of how these characters feel and talking about all these unspoken things that have existed in all their lives. Tony's very anxious. And the way that he looks in that first scene, um, it kind of almost looks like he's going to have a panic attack at Mm. first. He doesn't know how to deal with it. And Mm. he's definitely in terms of the power dynamic on the kind of defensive lower end. Mm -hmm. I mean, Meadow is definitely more in control and more, kind of interested in the outcome of that conversation. Mm. And then when we switch to that moment of what's referred to in previous episodes as this kind of casual violence, not that it's right. violent at that point, but this world of the mob and he sees this person and actually there's some more swirling camera shots right, you know, when he first sees him um and then he starts going and chasing Febby and you know, he's driving completely insane, but he's so comfortable. Yeah. And now Meadow isn't. So we have these different worlds, these different faces and different people are comfortable with different ones. And I think it's just, it's fascinating to see the way that Tony changes and he's comfortable in some situations and not in others. And typically when he's talking about his feelings or the realities of what he does, or he has to come to grips with, you know, the principles of of his life, he's very uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like that also maybe that casual violence, like when Meadow does tell him about the speed thing, right? But he immediately is like... Who gave it to you, right? And she's like, well, if I had known you were going to get so upset like this, I wouldn't have told you, right? So there is that kind of But it of changes. Like,
0: and then they say, yeah. I'm glad that we have that relationship. Yeah,
1: No, I, I get that. And
0: actually, that's where it ends. I'm yeah. glad that we're I'm honest. Glad, I'm glad yeah. we have that kind of relationship. And then it immediately cuts to Carmen Father Phil. Right. So you're talking about this and theme of honesty. And we look at honesty. the kind of
1: relationship that they have. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, where's the honesty in that? Yeah. And, where, and where's the honesty between all these characters? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually think at that point, for me, that was actually a glimmer of hope, which is rare Mm, in this show, but it's actually mm. very optimistic. She comes out and says something that was difficult and very kind of incriminating for herself. But I actually think that they were brought together to be closer through that.
1: Well, there's a good line in there, too, though, where Tony says when she tells him, like, it's kind of after that it. Gets toned down a little bit. He's like right under my nose. You'd think you'd know, right? And of course, he's doing all this stuff under everyone's nose, right? right? So I thought that was kind of just a funny line, right? And she says,
0: "No, you know, like you'll never know." And of course, you know, she she'll never know all the things that she. No, and Carm will never know. She'll never know what happens in this episode while she's doing orientation for a few hours. Yeah, she'll never know. She knows that something happened, but that's about the extent of it.
1: Yeah, if we haven't said it yet um jamie lynn sigler's acting she's amazing she's really awesome yeah she's like off the face of the earth now like i pretty
0: incredible yeah um but she
1: is an amazing actor yeah Yeah. um also as a complete aside in the early part of the episode Mm
0: -hmm.
1: her outfit that Mm. she wears her her pants (laughs) with the platform sandals I had plaid pants? I plaid pants with platform sandals. I had those pants and those sandals. Mm. And that's also, I think, why I really love Meadow. Well, I love seeing the kids because it really right. is, like, in terms of when I was in high school and stuff like that, very. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that's actually
0: me. fascinating to me about this show. Oh, sorry. The and, chopsticks in her hair. I used to do chopsticks. that too. Yeah. yeah. Well, you were, yeah, so. <laughs> but one thing that I find fascinating is talking about this show with people for, you know, so many years of different generations is that's something that I've actually heard a lot from talking to, like, our parents' generation mm. is how accurate the portrayal of teenagers is. Mm. And I think we can probably comment on that as, like, living as teenagers through a very similar time or probably a pretty similar age to Meadow. Yeah. But it's interesting how... That rings true for us, but it also rings true for the generation before in terms of raising children.
1: Totally. My, my parents always talk about AJ's um, confirmation mm. um, because my, one of my brothers was having his confirmation that same year that mm-hmm. the show was on and that, that episode was on. Yeah, um, They talk about that one a lot. Yeah. I also coming from a little bit of a complicated family who I don't know if they'll ever listen to this so no, I'll put it, I'll good. put it out there. <laughs> but I feel like it, a lot of it is accurate about how much like parents share or how much is known by kids about their parents' relationships.
0: Hmm. Right. I'll just leave that there. Right. No, it's a yeah. it's an interesting question. It,
1: that's this show brings up a lot of emotions <laughs> for me. It does. It's <laughs> something to
0: think about. I feel like we got to be careful especially yeah. now that we're going in and talking about it this much because I feel like previous times where we've watched it, I just get I get really messed up. And then Oh. Yeah.
1: Maybe at some point I'll tell you how messed up Alex got.
0: Well, it's just it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all good, but it's just, it's a very bleak show.
1: Totally. Oh, it's bleak on the world. And I have the tendency <laughs> to, like, be a little bleak anyways, so. Yeah.
0: So I think <laughs> there are these, like, fleeting moments of goodness and optimism, mm. but they are
1: few and far very between. few and
0: far between. I mean, I think you can count them on one hand for the whole show. But Yeah. But there's just, there's a realness and an attention to detail that's just like, like nothing else. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. I think there's more still to talk about in terms yeah. of the spiritual and their relationship. There was a few things that um, I thought were really interesting. I think, you know, there was a scene where um, they, after the confirmation, they hug.
1: The, sorry, after the Phil, communion.
0: The, what did I say? The confirmation. No. Yeah, so when Carmella turned 13. <laughs> yeah.
1: No. It's
0: okay. Okay. No. I, I'm your resident. This is good. Catholic You're a resident Roman expert. Catholic expert. Okay. I'm not very knowledgeable. Mm. After the.
1: Communion.
0: Communion. I didn't want to miss it. There up, was yet.
1: confession and communion in this episode.
0: Wait. We're talking about the confession, though. Confession. No, no, I am talking. Okay. Confession. I don't know. I'm all over the place, but.
1: What are you talking
0: about? After the confession with Carmella and Father Phil, yeah. there's a scene where they hug.
1: That was after the communion. Okay. He gets down then on her level. That's
0: right. Okay. And Confession and communion is very confusing it to is. my half-Jewish half self. <laughs> yeah. Half-Jewish, half-Anglican self. Okay. Well, afterwards, yes, when they hug, Phil seems very happy. I feel like he mm. feels like he's accomplished something and something has changed. Mm. And actually what Carmela does is fascinating. She actually adjusts his collar which is yeah so that
1: there's a there on one side of these i think they're called mantles so what they wear what priests wear around their neck and this it was kind of like crumpled within his collar but one side of it actually had a cross that was should have been visible right and so she changes it to show the cross side yeah versus it being all kind of like crumpled up in his
0: i think carmella actually is it's fascinating i think she has a lot of integrity that comes through in this episode. Mm. And she's searching for answers to some pretty deep questions. Mm. And she is looking for goodness. And there is a lot of good in her. Mm-hmm. The thing about this show is that she's placed in this world where everything around her is so hypocritical, so toxic, so destructive. She's kind of constantly brought out of that. She doesn't have a good spiritual guide. No. She, there's nobody. Well, we even
1: the advice she's given in this
0: well, it's horrible. episode is horrible I, and, and I,
1: so she says like she's like well i do love tony i think I, I, like and she's like just trying to be like well and that's what? why i was
0: saying everything about phil is lacking in integrity
1: yeah
0: you know he goes to kiss carmella and i think i feel like even his image is uh is is kind of like a representation of his hypocrisy he's kind of wearing this like short sleeve black shirt. It's like kind of like That's
1: fall- a, priest-y it's a uniform
0: all of, I, I don't yeah, know it's false okay remember. But still, I feel like yeah. he's unraveling his clothes are kind of falling off, regardless yeah. of whether or not he's least his to be long the religious short-seed. elements of The his religious clothes element are is like yeah. this kind of like very d- delicate, fragile exterior that just kind of falls off in a night. Yeah. And I think that he's just kind of he's the embodiment of a mockery of the values he's supposed to yeah. hold
1: he's also a guy like and so in some ways like I've always kind of some in some ways kind of felt for priests Mm -hmm. in that like you know in terms of intimacy like they're really meant to have this intimate connection with God he doesn't seem to have that great of a hold on it Um, and so no wonder he's looking for intimacy with somebody else you know so I kind of even though he's very annoying and obviously like not a good spiritual guide, or maybe yeah. even like not a very good person because he's yeah. taking advantage of someone who yeah. he's in a power. There's a power dynamic between a priest and anybody.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but at the same time, like you kind of feel for him. He's this dude who likes movies and <laughs> is really hungry all the time.
0: <laughs> I can kind of. I kind, I of, kind of like him. I mean, like you're. I just actually kind of like, feel very. Yeah. If there's one character I feel like I've mentioned yeah. to is the guy who's hungry and likes movies.
1: Yeah. And he falls asleep at someone's house.
0: I do have to like to fall asleep too, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's it's just it's, it's
1: yeah, weird. it's so it's. I mean, we see and we'll come back to religion and we'll t- we'll come back to those kind of symbols as yeah. the show goes. on I think on he's to. a
0: character like every other character in the show. They're yeah. not completely good. They're yeah. not completely bad. They're somewhere in the middle. He's well they're,
1: intentioned. I don't. They're dealing I don't with question. their own
0: psychological yeah. issues from their own trauma, from their, their own, own upbringing, their own families. And they all act in these human, imperfect ways. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. It's it's interesting how he loves movies and he gets excited when Carmella talks about, oh, you know, you love the DVD player, which we've seen in previous episodes was stolen. Yeah. So seeing just the hypocrisy, too, and him indulging in at all in this world. Yeah, totally. And (laughs) who knows how much he knows about what Tony does, Mm. but there has to be some intentional well she even
1: says that in her confession she's like well you know Father Phil like all of it right like that's how she kind of like as she's talking about these things she's confessing to right she's like well you know and we kind of see this glimmer on his face we're looking at his face at that time Uh, we kind of see this glimmer of understanding yeah but yeah I think the other episode where it comes up a lot at least in my recollection is where it's AJ's um, confirmation so we'll probably revisit at that point
0: yeah, um, I only
1: have one more small thing to talk about. Did you okay. have something else you wanted I to have some uh, touch fallings, on? But go for it. Yeah. Um, there was something about this episode. I don't know why it called my attention, but there were a lot of indicators of time that I thought were really mm-hmm. interesting, and we didn't get them in the car at least. And I, I should I'd like to now go back and watch it and pay even closer attention. But the, doc- the father Phil, not Doctor Phil, <laughs> the father Phil and Carmela storyline we kind of don't have what sense of what time it is. Like, and again, because we mm-hmm. miss that scene where they fall asleep and AJ telephones, and it just seemed like time really is this strange entity there. But in Meadow and Tony land, we focus in on clocks a lot. Like, so when he goes to mm. um, uh, Febby's office, we see the clock there twice in his office when Tony's looking in the window, and then when he's in his own office. We hear bells at a lot of different times that are indicating the time. That's actually so we how hear the bells. episode
0: starts. That's the first yeah. thing that happens. We and at that... first
1: I was thinking church bells, because that yeah. was what they also sound like. But I do think they were just bells marking the time. We huh. also hear it after when Tony, it's dark out. He was going to call Christopher back at midnight, I think. And so we hear the, I think there were 12 bells at that time. And he mm-hmm. he went to go call Christopher. Um, we do have that one mention to... A.J. and saying he was gonna come back in an hour, so that kind of shows the difference, right? There's this, um, there's this sense of kind of having lots of time, and then there's this sense of kind of these like impending, even like the fast car driving Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like there's this kind of like speed and time sensitive nature to. I think we even see it like when Meadow's asleep, that we see a clock in the hotel room before Tony goes back outside and stuff like that. So there's a couple times where that happens and i just thought it was notable i just never it was obviously purposeful because everything in this show is purposeful yeah
0: well it's interesting too to think about like how short an amount of time it is and that kind of goes with the mm. short story totally format of yeah this episode i mean the all the drama that unfolds between um uh carmella and yeah i was about to say dr phil father phil <sighs> and that's over one night Yeah. Yeah, it's nothing. And there's
1: many times, too, where he says to Meadow, right, when she's going to stay at the bar with those older, cool college girls, (laughs) um, she's like, I'll be back to get you in an hour or I I think he says something like that. And then he says it again when she goes into one of her interviews. He's like, I'll be back to get you in an hour and a half or whatever. And so there's these like and then we see these things that happen within that hour or hour and a half. I was thinking
0: about that. Or if he's late. Right. She's like, where have you been? Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So there was something. Anyway, I can't quite put my finger on.
0: Well, there's a realness to it. Yeah. I mean, this show is always engaged in its subjects in a way that it feels like real life. The characters feel like real people. And everything's done with this sense of what kind of seemingly mundane, mm. you know, normal, typical life is like. And I think that happens here. It's like you're kind of just like living through a day. Obviously, it there's... It is. It's like
1: 24 it's hours or something. Completely heightened
0: yeah. drama. And yeah. these crazy things happening. But then there's also these completely normal things that most families go through. Yep. And it happens in a way, on a scale of time, that's so relatable. Yeah. To anybody. Yeah. It's just... It's so short and it happens so For quickly. For sure. it's, it's just this kind of vignette of their life. And yet, it kind of completely sums up the two families. And it completely sums up the two lives that... Tony is living yeah yeah I thought it's really interesting actually how Tony responds to the um, incidents where he's kind of made uncomfortable by kind of psychological probing and Mm. and those kind of questions Mm. because (laughs) the way that he ends up responding to it is actually pretty aggressive
1: Mm. or
0: he actually he flips it Mm -hmm. on the other person Mm -hmm. you'll use things against the other person to kind of go on the offense except
1: in that last scene
0: Except in that last scene. Right.
1: Where Carmela kind of does it.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Huh. She does it. She's so cold when she does it so too. So cold.
0: And especially the, when they come back, it's so civil and seemingly normal. Yeah, it's he so kisses nice. He
1: kisses her hello and they... And there's
0: so much underneath the surface. He's just killed somebody. Yeah. Just murdered. Yeah. And he comes back and he just talks about, you know, there's apple juice in the fridge and, you know, and she has all these, you know, all this drama of her own life. Yeah. And just finding out, you know, about something that she thinks that she's that he's cheating on her, that he's being unfaithful and that their marriage is falling apart. Yeah. And she's just gone through but this.
1: she lets him go on. And it's just completely normal. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, the show engages with that kind of, like, hiding of what's really going mm. on very mm. well. Um, but he does it a lot. You know, he does it to Meadow, you know, when she says in the end, and this is where I feel like it's actually very bleak. You know, Dad, mm. are you being honest right now? Mm. And he has an opportunity, maybe not to be fully honest, but just murdering somebody. And maybe that's part of it. He mm. can't be. It's no. A, it's too far.
1: You can't, he, he's, yeah. he's
0: off the deep end.
1: Like I said, like, relationships between parents and their kids. Like, yeah. that would not be appropriate.
0: No. But what he does is he actually flips it to be aggressive against her. You know, he's like, you were drunk. You know, oh, we're going to talk about honesty now, right? And it's yeah. like
1: Oh, I know. He actually
0: kind of takes it out on her. And and actually I'm... on the the driving when they he drives past their stop, they drive past the motel and he says, "I think it's because it's because you were talking." It's yeah. Be- yeah, it's because you were talking. Like I can't that I smile can't on his face. I don't know if he's even smiling then. Yeah, he was. he was. Well, it's freaky. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> but he's taking it out on someone else. In fact, there's a a pretty hilarious tiny um, example of it earlier too between AJ and Carmela when he brings up the food and she doesn't eat it she says oh my stomach was or my eyes were bigger than my stomach mm. and you know he goes oh now you're now you're not gonna eat it after all that work yeah and what's fascinating about this is I feel like you can stem you can link it all to Livia and
1: yeah. the way
0: that she interacts with everybody yeah. and she interacts with the we'll world and with food. With food, but also just with people, and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like this extremely negative outlook, flipping it, turning it, pushing it onto other people, focusing on what they've done wrong, Mm -hmm. and maybe you know we were talking. I was talking about in the middle in the or sorry in the first episode, you know how we kind of get the sense that Tony's kind of the narrator, so Mm. his psychology is kind of framing Mm -hmm. everything, but you know it it is an ensemble production and and the psychology is kind of existing we're looking at everybody's psychology mm-hmm. but that negativity that we're talking about you know maybe olivia is the og <laughs> i think she is <laughs> to go back to how we ended a different episode yeah of you know this negative bleak world outlook yeah but of, but
1: who were olivia's parents
0: we don't even know you
1: know and so like well, is, and is, endless. is there is there but an this og is a snapshot. yeah well yeah you're right <laughs> yeah. okay
0: so maybe she's not the og but it kind of it gets passed down through generations, and yeah. it impacts the way they see the world. You know, we're seeing it. Everybody's interacting with each other in this way. Tony's shutting down Meadow. AJ shutting down his mom. Olivia shutting down everybody.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it, it's interesting to see how it works for Tony to shut down what he doesn't want to engage in. Yep. Mm, yeah, no, massive.
1: he's very manipulative. He's very good at doing yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's our first episode over an hour. Oh this God. was a good one for us. Yeah, <laughs> this well, was this inevitable. Is a good episode. Yeah. Great episode. Probably one of my favorite hours of anything. Yeah. Incredible. So good. I think last time we watched this, you just went back and watched it again right after. I think I did. That's a good. I think I did the same
1: sign. with Pine Barrens, though, too, last that's time good. I watched it. So. This is the
0: only show I feel anytime we finish Sopranos, or I finished Sopranos before we were watching it as soon as it's over the series is over all I want to watch is Sopranos again from the which beginning which is
1: then what we do
0: which is typically what happens yeah. <laughs> but I think it's a very nothing you
1: know. nothing can like I know I put myself out there last time saying or not last time in the concept of this podcast like mm. is this the end of great TV right I've not seen any episode of TV that can rival that episode
0: I agree I agree. Let's leave it on that. All right. And at the end, see you next time.